second episode of the Steve Sash Schwartz podcast. Um, I did have a whole thing scripted out, but I had a crazy, hectic day and just felt this uh, burgeoning critical mass. I just have to do this thing. And so whatever, I hope it comes out okay. I have to say after the first episode, all my tech friends and Hollywood people gave me so much feedback, like how to be more professional and learn how to edit and do this and that. And they had absolutely excellent points. And I realized this is gonna be kind of rough and punk and crunchy, but um, I think the content will be uh, interesting enough. And so hopefully I'm gonna get my tech skills together and cobble this stuff together or get a good crew together. So it's a work in process, a work in progress, whatever the phrase is. It's a process. We're gonna get better. Cool. Okay, so um, yeah, the first episode was very cool. And so now, if any people know or are familiar with my work, um, I work in different vocabularies or different venues at the same time. I guess I'm really restless or I'm interested in a whole bunch of different stuff, right? So yes, I do paintings that go on a wall, I do sculptures that go on a floor, I do things that go in between <laughs> and have like many different uh, dimensions and aspects to them. And maybe they have a performative aspect and what have you. So like another thing that I do is like paint on uh, these wooden oars and stuff. And uh, there's a long story to this. And um, let me see. This is part of like uh, what I've called the Instrument of Agencies series. And uh, you guys gotta bear with me because I'm doing this lecture format, like one take, bleh, hopefully it goes. <laughs> so we'll see, just like any lecture, you know, so hopefully I'll build up some momentum. Yes, so these oars are part of the Instruments of Agencies series. And they have a really interesting or to me, interesting and funny kind of story and origin and all that, but I've always been interested in like, I find these old things and I repurpose them and bring them back and give them new life, right? And it's almost like, you know, that broken crockery in uh, traditional Japanese art and they reassemble the uh, ceramics and crockery with gold leaf and the gold leaf traces the history of the break and yet, you know, um, repairs the item so it looks newer and fresher. And so it has a story and yet it has like this somewhat of the same content of the original intention of the artist and the vessel that they were uh, sculpting or um, whatever, throwing on the wheel, whatever, the ceramics. So um, this relates to that, okay, I take old things and repurpose them and make them new again. Cause I have this big theory about what do you call it? Like inheriting history and everything. And uh, mind you, I hope everybody's hearing me cause I don't have the quite right microphone set up but I'm speaking louder this time. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so I started this whole series. I would say, uh, hmm, 2018, 2000, sometime before COVID like 2020. Right, and I was working with uh, this material called nitrocellulose, which is more commonly known as nail lacquer or nail polish. I always thought 
to be so bitching to do paintings or sculptures out of it. Like, I just thought like how it looks on fingernails is so rich and luscious. You don't see that on paintings. And I know that now that they look, use all these different treatments to make all the gels and what have you look all rich. And it has a lot to do with car paint and lacquer and stuff. And anyway, so at some point I started harvesting and acquiring tons. Like I'm not talking about, I'm talking about thousands of containers of nail polish. And I started doing all kinds of paints out of nail polish, branding it meanwhile, like nitrocellulose. It sounds more sophisticated, whatever the fuck. But anyway, it's a great material. My hope, excuse me, I love exploring different materials like, uh, just really deeply, right? Okay, so like, okay, this was my thing. So I started doing all these big paintings, really, and all kinds of different things out of nitrocellulose. So, you know, using like literally nail polish and I would get, I could open the best nail salon in LA, I swear to God. Um, so anyway, uh, I happened to find or have, I can't even remember how I got them, but I had these broken oars and I thought they looked so cool. And I don't know if they were like 20 years, 40 years, 50 years old, maybe older. And they were broken in half. And at the time I was doing uh, all this natural history type stuff and stuff related, um, would you say, uh, to like uh, traditional Japanese painting, what have you, like hokusai and uh, Japanese wood blocks and um, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, you know, almond flowers, cherry blossoms, all that kind of feeling, right? Like the, the blooming effervescence of spring, right? I really wanted to get that kind of exuberance in my work. And so I was doing this on all these recycled panels I found. And then, um, what'd you call it? Oh, where are these things? So um, I had these broken oars and this first one was literally broken in half like this and I'm supposed to show these things more so I'm doing it now. Um, if you can see this, do, 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 oh, there's all this great dust on there. That's attractive, whatever. Okay, so yeah, they would be like more figured, this was a starling, it's a little bit dusty at the moment. <laughs> and I used all these great, um, well, essentially like the palette of nail lacquer and whatever. And the ore was just this wooden thing. I love the whole nautical reference. And this was just like wasted away. Like there was nothing on here, right? It was just like the wood. And so I thought, oh, what a cool surface to paint on. So I painted this, da, 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 and that was like 2018 or something. Uh, what's it actually say? 2019. It's on the back there. Ooh, I'm supposed to show it. Okay, there you go. Okay, so then like I did like a few of these and I did like this one and I really loved uh, what you call it, the nitrocellulose because you get all this glitter and you get a huge palette that is not normally available in traditional oil paints, acrylics, or whatever that you get at an ordinary, um, what you call it, art supply store. And uh, so this was something I was really exploring a lot in my bigger paintings and in painting skateboards and whatever. 
So I applied to this or. This or was uh, we have, um, blank as well, right? Not a single speck of paint on it. And, uh, you know, I tried to make it metaphoric, kind of like, okay, what could that be? Like sailboat, iceberg, landscape, land reference, whatever. Made it kind of like abstract and... I don't know. I think they're really fun and how they like reinterpret space and everything. So this is my point of entry to the whole thing. And um, then I was uh, continuing in this vein and I started striping like uh, antique propellers from World War One, and I managed to get my hands on uh, very fortuitous way and stuff like that. So I, I wanted to make these like commanding things with a presence, but, you know, striped this way, upgraded, made, uh, what do you call it? Or, uh, uh, maybe more relevant, more up-to-date, more contemporary, uh, something that people could respond to today other than like, oh, some relic, relic from some anthropology museum or whatever. And, uh, and also, I think they have a really charged presence. They talk a lot more about like, oh, like, you know, oh, it's a propeller. Okay, so what does that indicate? And so like, you could like analyze that for like forever. Um, so anyway, then in a funny way, uh, so I was striving these propellers and they were coming out really great. And I happened to inherit when my dad passed away, uh, these oars from the 1970s Stanford crew team. And I thought, oh, how weird. Okay, here's these oars, but they're in like mint condition. They weren't broken in half like my other little things. And I honestly can't remember how I got a hold of them, uh, my other smaller oars, but like they kind of started out like this. And whoop, this thing's gonna go. You know, and like you can see in here, I got these little balls, those are little pellets, like when you shake up a nail polish and it shakes up the lacquer and everything. And you can see the iridescence and all. And you can see like from the back, like how these things were, right? There wasn't any like demarcations on them and stuff. And uh, so I did like a few of these. And it's really fun that I have like several of them here now, because I'm doing this podcast, cause I'm gonna have a show and they're all gonna go away. So it's so neat that they're all here. Whoop. So here's like another one. And you could see like, I just love the palette of the nail lacquer and everything. Da -da -da. So that's that. So that's how like um, these pieces were developed. And then um, these super large long, these were the ones, whoa, <laughs> from the 1970s. Uh, Stanford crew team. Crew is like, for people that don't know, I'm not trying to be snotty or anything, yeah, it's like rowing on these long skinny boats and you got somebody yelling at the front called a coxswain or whatever they call it. That's like, you know, row, row, row. And like these guys are rowing these giant paddles and they're racing, right? And uh, anyway, it's a super cool sport. And these uh, pieces from uh, Stanford were done like with the nitrocellulose, this is all uh, nail polish per se. 
uh, you know, lacquer. Does that sound more sophisticated? And um, so, you know, I just started painting this thing. So that was like more like 2019 or something like that. And then of course, you know, I got into the whole distilling movement and primary colors and uh, doing my whole thing, just doing SAS and these things developed. And um, I found this like great source and got all these like antique, I don't know what you call antique anymore, but quite old and fucked up uh, paddles, oars, uh, you know, crew paddles and um, started having them come in. I just started painting them like crazy and that's how uh, I started applying um, you know, my whole theory about primary colors and uh, just trying to get like a unified thing going there, right? And I was just doing this and I've been doing it for a minute and getting quite serious. And then somehow on Instagram or somewhere, I discovered this Romanian artist named Andre Cadere, who like, like in the 1970s, and probably earlier, a bit later, like uh, was walking around Paris and art openings and museum openings with these long poles, exactly like paddles, but he called them the round bars. And I don't know how to say that in French properly, but anyway, it's known in French. And uh, he'd walk around Paris with these things and like he'd up and essentially, conceptually, um, you know, what it means to like exhibit your art and present your art. So suddenly like he'd be at some renowned artist art opening, but he'd saunter in with his long staff or pillar of freaking these round bars, which are these little image units of things uh, of different colors, uh, just little rings. I'll show you in this book I have. And, um, and then he'd have discussion and it's like suddenly like, uh, He's at Moreau's exhibit or Picasso or whomever it was, but there he was with it. So he was essentially exhibiting at the museum, at the gallery, on the streets of Paris, on the streets of New York with his freaking little round parts. So I thought, oh, that is so fucking cool. And I might like then carry the torch because like for some reason I inherited this. It's like I was already doing this, but I wasn't doing the performative aspect. I mean, I'm not that showy, but I'm trying to learn to be because it's great for branding and like marketing your freaking work. And we'll have a whole different uh, podcast about that. But um, yeah, so I started carrying these things around downtown and to openings and whatever. And people really respond to it and they like it's like a walking staff or, you know, some like charged little icon. And it's an immediate like discussion of your work. and. The funny thing is like people are really responding to it. They're like, they're really into it. And like, ooh, I'm okay with that. So cool. Um, so that's a lot like uh, what these pieces are about. And I can show you some like individual aspects here. So um, I don't know if this is gonna come out here, but this is this Andre Cadere guy. And there he is in like Dumbo, Brooklyn, back when the World Trade Center was there and he's uh, walking with his bar. And say they were long little pole-like things. They didn't really have the paddle structure, but he would uh, walk and work with them like 
everywhere. And I guess he had a sad early demise. He died of cancer, like, young. But, um, I don't know, he made like a little charged moment that people really res respond to, right? So, uh, you know, this is one of my pieces. I did this thing called like the Broadway Boogie Woogie series. And it's really, uh, I kind of took Mondrian's palette, the distilled movement, and used that as a jumping off point. And in terms of my theories of like color therapy and whatever, um, I really love primary colors because to me they represent like every color because out of the three primaries you can make virtually every color and so it's like a shorthand for every color and um, it's kind of like computer coding today instead of like you're always trying to condense it down, condense it down, what's simpler, what's simpler, what's simpler and then it can access another batch of codes or another batch of this or whatever. You know, so I feel like there's so much nested into here. It makes it really riveting and yet it's really digestible. It's very simple. Oh, a bunch of stripes and whatever and simplistic colors. So like people get it, but if you want to dive into it on a deeper level, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, this is one I carry around a lot to like art openings and stuff because it's just like, you know, more manageable and not that ostentatious. But here you can see like, some of the initial painting and stuff. And uh, then I did my thing to it. And um, this one I call like Black Mamba. See, these are really old. I don't know, like they're like 40 or 50 or way older. I don't really know. I think they're from the 1920s and I, I got these great paddles, right? And they have these brass oarlocks. This one I call Black Mamba. And uh, it's quite substantive when you carry it around. <laughs> um, and I have this one. So I love the fact they're all different. They kind of seem like, you know, the dudes in Venice pushing their uh, little boats around and stuff. And this one, um, I tried to make like, kind of like a sailboat race and everything. You can see, like just metaphorically, these triangles kind of look like sails and whatever. So I was trying to make like a, a thing that uh, kind of conveys a regatta and everything. So I want things to be uplifting. I don't want art to be depressing. I'm trying to make this kind of mood and vibe that's like a, a respite and time out from life where you can like, meditate and feel good about things and feel good about things just for that sake alone and not crowded or clouded by current events or the drama of life or so many people screaming different opinions in your head about a million different issues and whatever. I mean, somehow we have to find peace of mind in life and whatever. And it kind of reminds me, I don't know, my motivation, like, I remember uh, when Rothko was trying to design the Rothko Chapel, and it's really beautiful down there in Texas, and all these really, like, uh, gorgeous paintings just filled with presence, and uh, they emote so much, a very somber palette and everything. I don't think, you know, he tried to make it somber, but he was in a very depressed, bummed out mood when he was making that, but I think he was 
reaching for higher ideals in a big way. And like, I wanna really create a world um, with these, but more based on something, uh, I would say more upbeat and less somber, but that's still like heavy and meditative and makes you feel like, okay, this is why uh, life is great, you know, and life is satisfying, like why I wanna be here and um, I don't know, I was trying to uh, just identify this palette that to me, um, you really spoke to like exuberance, right? And uh, just having a, like a timeout, just a break, catch your breath, collect yourself. Okay, and then you can go address <laughs> the drama of life and it. But you have to know that um, there's something else out there to reach for, right? And uh, so that's a lot what this work is about. And uh, oops, <laughs> it's really fun to walk around town and discuss it with people. And, you know, just to bring your sensibility to the world. I think uh, what else is a point of art? That's why we're doing this. And I hope this was a meaningful podcast. I hope to be doing more. There'll be more coming with uh, other artists, not only my observations and views of the world, but um, other people with other practices, other approaches, other reads on things. And uh, I think it's going to be great. Okay. Thank you for joining episode two of the Steve Sashworth podcast. Have a great day.